How's it going, guys? I'm Zeke. And I'm Jake. And you're listening to the Cinema Sideshow Podcast, episode 136. Isn't it great that this is always the two of us, Zeke? Yeah, there's not anyone else in the room with us right now. <coughs> oh, ah! oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> who are you, sir? What, what are you doing in, in our office? Well, I just heard you guys recording a podcast, thought I might oh. stop by. Um, oh, no. My name is Ricky. I uh, know these Ooh. two kind gentlemen from uh, Murdoch University, as I'm sure you're aware they studied there. Um, and yeah, I've also just completed my uh, screen production degree. Oh. Very nice. Thank well you, done. thank you. Well <laughs> you survived. I did, survived. I did. Barely. <laughs> yes, Ricky has been a friend of the show for some time. Uh, I was making movies with him last year. That's correct. Yeah. We did. Yeah. We, we, Mate, we um, made one. Yes, yes, yep. Worked together. You were our first AD and I was DOP. Yep, yep, yep. And editor. You, edit. Yes, true, true, true. Did a bit so, of editing as well. Wow. That was uh, very nice. Very, that was a cascade talk from like probably roughly around this time last year. Wow. Maybe. I guess so. Maybe a little later. In yeah, the year, yeah, but yeah. No, but a while that was, ago. Uh, that was an intense couple of days. It was, it was. But we got the job done, got the film made. That's <laughs> true. That's the main That's thing. It's always what right. you want. Yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you, you for having you, me. You are, a, you, this is the first time. We've had many guests on before, but. You were the first guest to not only pick the film that we're going to watch this week, but Ooh. pick one that you yourself haven't seen oh. prior to selecting the you film. Had your own blind cool, spotting. cool. Yeah, well, yeah. I uh, yeah, I think I think that's probably the best way to do it because I love um, you know, love just like after you see a movie and and not talking to someone for two hours, even though you saw it with them, just being yeah. like, so what did you think about this? And then on the whole drive home, just talking mm. about like, oh, but I forgot this scene and mm. stuff. So I think that makes that brings a little bit extra of not seeing the movie at all and um, getting to have that discourse straight after together yeah. when we don't know what each other are thinking yet. Mm. Yeah, which is pretty much where all three of us are at right now. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's very exciting. That is very exciting. Well, speaking of the film of the week, Jake, mm. we normally kick these shows off now with a bit of trivia. That is true. Who wants to go first on the trivia? I think I guess you go first. Okay. Kick it off. No, that's All good because right. mine actually isn't very, uh, <laughs> very uh, noteworthy. But <laughs> I thought, um, I thought it was kind of cool that every single scene in the movie took place at night time. So yes. That is interesting. Oh my that god! I didn't notice I did until notice I read it. that. But I was like, yeah, true. It did have that whole nighttime feel. I guess. Well, obviously, since it was yeah, <laughs> shot yeah, completely yeah. in the night, no. but that was very cool. Yeah. And he took it, he took advantage of that a lot. It seemed. Yeah, I'm not going to say I didn't notice that while watching. It was the last shot kind of highlights that in a way. But um, mm. no, it's true, and it definitely helps create the style. Yeah, the yeah, aesthetic yeah. of the film. Zeke, what's your fact? So of the week? much to do with the <laughs> visuals, like Ricky just mentioned. Oh, if you um, take my fact, I'm going to slap you. We're going to jump into <laughs> focal length. Oh and my god. Aperture. <laughs> and this is an incre- uh, incredibly interesting because obviously, as we noticed, one of the most notable f- aspects of this show. Um, oh, Jake, I'm so sorry if I took yours. No, we'll see. Um, I'm, I'm still holding. We ended hope. up. Uh, you know, it, one thing is very obvious is how ultra wide this lens is to this, um, <laughs> and this actually led me down a rabbit hole. I will have to shout out to the YouTube video essay searching mm. for fallen angels lost lens. By watching the aerial and judging by Jake's reaction, I think he watched the exact same video. No, I didn't watch. I googled it five minutes ago, specifically oh. what lens was Fallen Angel shot on. Well, you might find and... the wrong answer through that. Oh, interesting. Um, so okay. I might be saving you from a misleading fact. So okay, it was said that from original articles that a the cinematographer for this used a six point five millimeter lens. Mm. But over the course of this video essay, which was very interesting to follow, 
Um, they jumped between the 6.5 and the 9.5, and it actually ended up being a 6.8 millimeter lens. Wow, okay. Ultralight. See, that's interesting. So my Google search does say that the entire film, bar one scene, which was shot in 88 millimeter, was 6.5. So and that is incorrect. Yeah, there you go. Um, you saved and me. this video essay, <laughs> about 20 minutes long, deconstructs that mythos that um, basically this is, and this is interesting you know we all came from university we know how we can obscure theoretic uh theoretical or dissertarian information mm. and get the wrong answer um <laughs> and he basically goes through this rabbit hole how that was incorrect because at the time a 6.5 millimeter lens didn't exist ah. interesting um or it existed on an ari which was a actually it was built into the camera and the only other example of a 6.5 was from the 1950s and which if they did use that lens it would have created a black vignette around right. the frame. Right. Um, yeah. Not what we saw in the final product for the film. Right, because that's interesting because I mentioned, so to clarify, Zeke, you saw this on your own mm-hmm. sometime yesterday. I'm getting rid of these pop-ups of my other laptop. We're using a third laptop that we haven't used in a long time, Zeke. Big setup. But yeah. um, while you saw the film on your own, me and Ricky actually sat down together and watched it. Now, we were pretty much silent the whole time, so we didn't engage too much of our specific thoughts on it so much as our reactions. Maybe yep. chuckled every now and then. Yeah, there was a um, few laughs There was there, a few definitely. laughs and a few cheeky laughs, but I did mention at one point, I wonder if the entire film was shot on the same lens. Yeah, you was did. not. With the exception of potentially the stuff on the road, like those really fast shots through the tunnels. I don't know if that is the 18mm they're referring to. It could be, but mm. otherwise, yeah. So I'm glad I was but- sort of in the money... With that it prediction. was majoritively shot on that 6.8 millimeter. Yeah, cool. um, and go. there were other examples in there and um, of different focal lengths, but the standard, as quoted, the standardized lens was 6.8. Yeah, mm. cool. So um, that's really interesting, and I'm sure we'll dump, jump into a little bit more of that intended effect later in the show. Yeah, for sure. Well, Zeke, we've all seen it now. We've got to pose this the, question to Ricky I got too. To, I got to pose it, and this is like oh. last week. This is going to be interesting. The poster behind you, Zeke, well, behind both of you now, 1,100 films you must watch at least once in your lifetime. Is this film on the poster? I don't know, Ricky. Do you think this film should... And if it isn't on the poster, without looking, Ricky. Ooh. I don't do you think, think I'll you're get not gonna, yeah, looking, you're not yeah, going to yeah. see it. <laughs> yeah, that's a, um, it's very small text Do I here. think it is and do I think it should be? Is there, that, yeah, there's yeah, both, okay. quest, both the questions. Ooh, do I think it is... To be honest, I haven't seen any of them on there, so I'd be wondering what kind of movies show up on there. Do you do you know what what year it goes up to? Or uh, uh, it goes to twenty seventeen. Oh, oh, okay. So it definitely oh. would be in there in terms of when it came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Blade Runner twenty forty nine was on there. Mm-hmm. It was on there last week. So interesting. To give some. Uh, uh, let me think. Because I think in even in terms of Wong Wong Kar Wai, he might actually have. I think his other two movies that I'm thinking of off the top of my head are actually. More popular. So I would say... I'll give you this hint. When I was checking myself the other day, I noticed one of his other films on there. Yeah, I would say In the Mood for Love... That's the hint i Definitely... Not definitely, but I would be quite certain it would be on there. I'm going to say this isn't on there, but I'd say I think it should be due to its originality. So if you had 11... Yeah, I was going to say, if you had 1,100 films that you would recommend to someone before they died, you yep. would include this in that count? I would. I would, personally. So, okay. is it on the poster? And I'm would you include say it? No, and it's, no, it's not on the poster. And much like Ricky, I do believe this film should be on there. Yeah, it's not on the poster. Oh, but I agree. I think it should be more so than some of the other stuff we've seen on there. You mm. know, um, Green Mile was not on there. 
And that, is I was shocked. that is interesting. I was yeah. shocked by that. Um, but yeah, not on the poster, which is interesting. Because you're right, it goes all the way up to 2017. Yeah. Intriguing. Yeah. But it's good to like, see at least some Wong Kai Wai is cinema. Yes, one, what, there was definitely one in there I noticed. I was like, okay, one of his earlier films. Yep. Before 95. I can't remember which one exactly. Oh, but. interesting. So yeah. it's not in the mood for love. No, no. Chunking Express. I think, I think that was it. I think, yeah. I think that was it. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of yeah. films, Jake, you said you caught something in the last week. I did. So um, I haven't seen a lot in the last week, but the one thing I did see, and I was very keen to see, this was the Sundance film Coda, uh, which of course stands for Child of Deaf Adults. Now, this was one of the big ones at Sundance earlier this year, and I was really excited. First off, I know a coder in real life. I actually grew up with a friend in high school um, who both her parents were deaf, which mm. I was always fascinated by, but never quite knew enough about. Yeah. So I've always been excited to see this film and to show her the film potentially. Finally got to last night. Dusted off the old Apple TV Plus subscription, which is otherwise <laughs> almost <laughs> never used. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I was surprised. So I kind of went into this... You know, with all of that context in mind, but also a discussion we had earlier in the year, Zeke, uh, particularly about Sound of Metal and The Father and how I thought there was a bit of mo- uh, of a movement or an unspoken subgenre being made, much like, you know, the Dogma movement or the Mumblecore movement, something like mm-hmm. that, of English language films that are taking a deeper look at disability and putting them in their films and, and putting them in a more positive... Definitely or- sensory deprivation has mm. been a... Uh, some form of sensory deprivation has definitely been explored more in, in or like you said, yeah, um, uh, disorders and mental illness also. Like those two categories have definitely um, come to the forefront in and becoming more mainstream and standardised in, in, you know, cinematic or thematic meaning for sure. Yeah, yeah, particularly Western cinema. I know, I mean, I know this is based on, there's actually a few films this with reference to. One was Russian, one was French, which I didn't realise that. It's essentially a remake but um, I liked this one a lot. I was a little surprised by the Disney Channel-esque of it all. Mm. And by that, I mean it, w- it wasn't like an intense, gritty... It's not Sound of Metal, you know. Have you um, seen Sound of Metal? I haven't, again? no, not yet. It's, uh, it's quite uh, quite impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, uh, I would definitely recommend that you have a look at it. It's about a um, metal drummer going deaf. Yeah, yeah. That. I've heard only good things about it, and I <laughs> have been meaning to see it, so... Very I good with be. its sound mixing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Fantastic with um, that sort of editing and pacing. Yeah. yeah. Well, that that's part of where I think of in terms of that movement is, you know, the father puts you in the shoes of a man with dementia. Mm. Sound of metal puts you in the shoes of someone who's going deaf. And this film doesn't do it so much. There's a couple of times where they play with the audio and perspective in that way, but it's mostly about the interconnected family relationship. Because it's, you, it's only fifty-one minutes. Oh, an hour fifty-one. Big pardon. Yeah, no, no, no. It's it's yeah, nearly two hours. Um, it's longer than the film of the week that we're about to do. Mm-hmm. The 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 general conflict around it, which I like the way it was handled, is you have this girl, the only hearing girl in the family, uh, and her the surrounding family around her who are deaf, uh, in the fishing industry. And that's becoming more of a struggle, more of a struggle, more of a struggle. But she, as this shy girl, is going through a journey at school of, of learning to be a bit more outgoing and confident and, and her passion for singing, which, of course, juxtaposes the fact that her parents are deaf and mm. are physically unable to even understand where that passion comes from, or even if she has the talent to go ahead and do it. Yeah, of course. So they play with that really well. Like I said, it gets a little teen drama in areas. Yeah. It reminded me... And this isn't fair because I I like I like all these three films a lot that I'm going to compare it to. But tonally, it was more in the line of like the way way back, 
something like Sing Street, and they even use uh, the Clash soundtrack in it, the I Fought the Law track specifically. I thought was funny they shared that um and also fighting with my family from a couple years ago interesting yes, especially yeah. the brother sister relationship in that film very similar dynamic in this film uh which i really liked but yeah i thought it was i thought it was great i i was kind of surprised that it was a sundance film because it, it didn't take itself as seriously yeah 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 it, it's kind of like um god what's the um what's the time looping film with andy sandberg recently that came out i forget the title of it uh palm springs palm springs yeah it's kind of like how that blew up at sundance even though it's kind of fun and a bit of a comedy like it's not a serious film yeah so i guess that's sort of where sundance is going now but um i i I enjoyed it for what it was i thought it was great and i I think the representation's really good in there yeah yeah. there's plenty of extended scenes where it's just sign language on screen there's no dialogue which yeah 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 localizers are probably like yes we love this film mm. yeah um but otherwise very ballsy um direction from time to time and it's yeah yeah i thought it was great coda on yeah. apple yeah apple tv plus god nice to see something else come to apple tv know, right it's, it's surprising yeah. yeah there'll be something else in a year from now <laughs> what about you ricky have you caught anything recently yeah. you'd like to talk about i did actually so uh actually a couple of days ago i watched knives out for the first time Whoa. so i'd been hearing a lot about it and um one of my friends who's he's not really that much into movies but every time i try and talk to him about movies he's like man you gotta watch my favorite movie ever it's knives <laughs> out and i was like all right i'm finally gonna watch it very enjoyable it was really good yeah. um really fun as well like there was there was a lot going on and stuff and there was um yeah it felt like it was i haven't seen much from uh ryan johnson i believe mm. it yep. was yeah i haven't seen much from him but the directing was like really well done and just like this yeah. the whole like bookending the start and finish scene without saying too much in case they mm-hmm. give away any spoilers or anything like the that cup of coffee yeah exactly yep, yep, exactly yep. that was just such a nice touch that that <laughs> that like i picked up straight away like it was like subtle but i was also like oh that's well i guess it wasn't that subtle but i was just like that is that is a very nice way of ending things and um and i thought they did it really well because i'm not usually too big into murder mystery stuff because mm. i'm always like they always have those like false finishes and stuff i'm gonna have twists which of course you have to have but yeah. um that was just like done so well and there was um the whole movie was pretty enjoyable and stuff and did a good job of building it up mm. and then executing everything and and hiding enough things um like all those plant and payoffs and stuff so definitely gets a thumbs up from me i also saw um i don't know if you guys heard of that new show coming to stand it's called heels it's like a wrestling one Okay. Um, yeah, so I ended up watching that because I'm super big into wrestling and stuff. So I was mm, like, "You and me and- both, buddy. You and me both." Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I, I was. I, I was early um, first year of this show. I was talking nonstop about Glow. Oh, nice, um, nice. I haven't I, seen Glow. Big, Jake, that was first year, wasn't it? Yeah, talking a lot about what this year. No, no, back first year of the show. Oh, jeez, maybe first maybe. or second year. Of the show. More I, talked, I would talk a lot about Glow when it was coming out. Yeah, season, yeah, yeah. I think it was season two for first year and season three for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. but yeah, big fan of wrestling. Oh, cool. How was yeah. Glow worth? Watch? I really enjoy Glow, but I'm a big yeah. fan of like Alison Brie. And stuff yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. So, oh, she's great. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed and Mark Maron, who who was in it, also is big mm. big fan of his stand-up comedy and he was really good in it um yeah so yeah tell me about heels yeah it was um i actually thought the directing of it was really good like they did a lot of great shots and because you don't see a lot of um films or i guess it's a show films or shows or anything like tackling like pro wrestling and like um 
in a non-comedic way because mm-hmm. like you can see stuff like i don't know if you've heard of ready to rumble or whatever like those really old uh. like corny over the top ones and you see a lot of those or like nacho libre or something like that <laughs> but um it was cool like uh, the wrestler is one of my favorite libre. movies just because it's like that was the first time i've ever seen someone like take this uh take wrestling seriously and these characters outside and in the mm. ring and all that kind of stuff so mm. i think the directing was really good that they got some shots that you haven't seen in movies yet because I guess like a lot of movies haven't really gone into a wrestling kind of thing. It's, it's been one of my dreams. It's one of the films I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to do a professional wrestler. Oh, well, if you like, ever need someone yeah, on it, who's going to be passionate about it? I, <laughs> you might find someone want, more passionate. And I, I have a couple of friends in the local industry here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they've always been like, when do you, when you want to do that film? And I'm like, oh, I'm still cooking up a script for it, but it's yeah. like having that, like, oh, nice, that'd be nice awesome. having that access right mm, ready to 100%. go. 100%. I've, I've yeah. seen a few um, uh, local EPW or NHPW shows as well oh, so great fun they are they're great very good fun. fun but um have you ever seen the wrestler yes yeah yeah so that's that i wanted to if we ever did i haven't done aronofsky for a director's corner before. Yeah. i think we've done any of his films before we have not um no. and it's it's going to be between that or um probably black swan they're the two that you oh, can probably put yeah, up yeah. against oh, each yeah. other yeah black but i've always excellent. wanted to do the wrestler on the show yeah I think the wrestler's the only time i've ever seen it portrayed yeah. in a more mature light so yeah you think he was kind of does it a little bit it did i think the directing was really well but i honestly just wasn't the biggest fan of the writing it was just like a lot of it seemed a bit too cheesy and corny, which I didn't get from... I don't usually watch the trailers, but I saw a little bit of it just because I was like, oh, they're actually making something on wrestling? So I had to mm, check it out. Sure. Um, but um, I had the same problem with Glow in the latter seasons. Yeah. They started to move away from the wrestling side and, yeah. and more into the, the intimate drama stuff. But at that point, it's the problem Problem with shows like, like Glow or, or these sporting yeah. shows is... They start to go beyond the sport because they think they have nothing left to offer from the sport. Yeah. Like I, I've heard Ted Lasso has the same problem. Oh, and, interesting. Um, where it starts Season two's to be less, out. It starts to be less about because they go, yeah. oh, well, you like the characters enough yeah. that we're going to put them in drama rather than in the sport that yeah. we got to know them on. Yeah. Um, but that's a shame if it's already starting to push like that. Yeah, it, it might just be me. Like, I'm definitely going to tune into episode two to make sure it's like, oh, like maybe they're just like testing the water, see what kind of direction mm. it's going in. But I just thought the dialogue was a little bit too corny. And like, it was mm. a bit, not that there's anything wrong with it, but it was just surprising that it was a bit too much about like, there was a bit too much of like Bible kind of stuff getting thrown mm. into there, which I just didn't expect, but I guess it was like that's Southern wrestling. And that's obviously a big part of it there, but mm. I just didn't expect that. But um, yeah, like I said, the directing was really good. The writing, I just it wasn't as much for me. It felt a little bit too corny and like, and I was like, would people really talk like that and stuff? But otherwise they're actually like building to a good story and it did end yeah. on something really, uh, something really good interesting. Hook. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was a good hook at the end where, um, it kind of, the characters are already starting to develop. So I will still definitely tune into number two. And that was um, on what? Stream? That's on Stan. Yeah. Stan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fresh, hey, fresh hey, Stan. <laughs> <laughs> No, I got all the, I got all the things so yeah 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 all Zig, the things Zig scalps a I, I do scalp quite a few of them off off Jake. <laughs> um, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> sure. No, it's really cool. I mean, I'm very strict. Like for me, I really do think sport is at the sports genre is probably my favorite to second favorite movie genre Ooh. or TV show genre. So I'm very strict with. I don't like shows or or even films that don't make it. If they're going to market themselves as a sport film, the sport has to be intricate to the story and 
I get I could cite quite a few examples of like films that aren't really about the sport yet they market like Remember the Titans is not a sports film. It's not. It's got sport in it, <laughs> yeah. um, and it's but it's the vessel for another like a, a, a side drama. Yeah. Like, uh, which is fine. It's just don't market it like the like pure sport films are like Friday Night Lights, where it's like deliberately like this is about the sport. It's yeah, about yeah. like the competition or yeah. all that kind of thing. The wrestler yeah. is predominantly about like yeah. it's, it's a sport film. Yeah, yeah. His obsession with the sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, exactly. That's, that's makes. Yeah, it, they did. They did use a lot of lingo that I was surprised with. That like mm. you know like you wouldn't have to be a wrestling fan to kind of get what they're talking about. But it's like when they use those words, you're like, oh, I actually know what that is. So well, <laughs> it comes back to I think that that helps sell the sports believability is when yeah. you're using rhetoric from the sport. So in wrestling, using terms like face, heel, yeah. and, and spot, and yeah, yeah, like yeah. receipt, and like these these things that like actually help build the believability in the world shows that the writer has actually taken the time they may not be a fan but they've taken the time to research the stuff in the yeah. sport yeah exactly like, like the i think when a, they go oh what's you know the, the aim is to get a touchdown and all they do is show in a football movie just touchdowns like yeah. in gridiron film and stuff like it, i think it really helps with fleshing out the believability so yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's yeah. really interesting. I might it, have to check it, that it's out It's sort of in a bit of a side, but it reminds me of um, Battle of the Sexes, which is, a, I guess, a tennis film, kind of. It's <laughs> oh, obviously yes. about way more than that. Yeah. But the way... It's like, I don't mind that it's not about the sport, but then when you actually get to the championship and it's it's literally just the same shot that you would see in any tennis sport yeah. you know, on TV. Yeah. And it's like, it's just, it, I love the direction up until then, but the direction felt so lacking yeah. and like unimaginative. Yeah, yeah Especially yeah. because it's like, oh, well, we need this person to look like they're losing. So they just edit a bunch of like misses. Like the montage, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And it's like, it's just like, it's the easiest way to tell the audience this person's losing. It's the oh, same problem with things like up. I have with like that and like I, Tonya. Same problem. It's like, Andrew. it's not about... I, is definitely not about the sport. Yeah. It's got nothing <laughs> definitely to do with the sport. not, yeah. And it's like, that's a, like to explore the world of figure skating. It's like, I don't know anything about the world of figure skating. Show me that world. Like, right. explore it more. Like, mm. make it about the sport. And instead, they it's more about the scandal and stuff. And Yeah. Well, I, get, I mean, that's what people want to see, though, really. Mm, not you every imagine. It depends. That comes back to genre, direction. They all... All correlative, but yeah, obviously they wanted they wanted an Oscar drama, didn't they? So they chose Damn, to take the drama. Got some hard hits Sorry. over there. Coming in, I Ricky's wanna, fired me up. I want to hey, me up. I want to rewatch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really want to rewatch Itonia, um, because I feel like I would like it a lot like more the second. At all, no, <laughs> do not like it. Anyway, um, no, that's really cool though. Um, that like that show sounds really interesting. I would love to check that out. Yeah, yeah. Courtney, anything else or? Uh, and then otherwise, just been watching recently. Been watching Sopranos for the first nice. time. So I'm only up to the end of season two now, but I'm trying to race through. And obviously, I want to get uh, get through the whole show before the the movie, which I believe is. I thought it was a prequel, but I'm pretty sure it's a sequel. And Whoa. that movie comes out at the end of this year. Really? Wait, really? Then Did I'm going to have to yeah. know oh, I actually... Because I got I the box set the in my of... room. Yeah, watch it. you should wow. watch it. To be honest, I'm a bit slow. And uh, because I'm actually watching it with my mum, which is quite surprising. <laughs> but my mum is like... My mum is I... like very, very Italian. Like right. I am technically Italian, but I'm like... Like, if you look at my sister, you look at my mom, you'd be like, oh, they're Italian. You look at me and you're like, oh, I don't know about that. So, <laughs> so she um she actually really enjoys herself. And obviously there's a lot of adult stuff kind of going on, but we're just both like really enjoying it. And we're like, well, we like the same characters mostly and hate the same yeah. characters and stuff. So it's really good. So that's why yeah. I'm going a bit slower through it because we bo- both got to find some yeah. time. Well, but um, 
I'm going to yeah. try and finish it before that movie comes out because I would love to watch that in the cinema. Um, that would be good fun. <laughs> it's so funny you mention it because the reason I have a box in my room is mum bought it for my birthday. Oh. Let's watch this together. <laughs> oh, no way. Well, you should. So I recommend it. I don't, think right. it's, I don't think it's awkward at all. I thought it was going to be at the first start. Oh, no. I've just... watched tons. Of, we watched Breaking Bad together. Like, oh, I, nice, I had already nice. seen it, but like I sat down for mm. every episode. Yeah, see, I, I, learned the, I learned that the hard way. I watched Game of Thrones with my mum and that was that was. Nice. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, the content there is a little... Yeah, I've honestly... Nowadays, I will rarely watch film with my mum and i always try to but it's like we always never agree on what to watch i've honestly watched the john wick films with her like three or four times oh yeah yeah <laughs> like she just loves them so much she loves keanu reeves but like, yeah 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 you, I, you saw nomadland with your mom too i, I think. did i did yeah, yeah, yes yeah. nice that was a nice film um we always try and go to this like cinemas every now and again because yeah uh, you know good time to see a, a film every now and then. but yeah after after that with i avoid like shows i've yeah. tried to watch the sopranos <laughs> twice like the first couple of episodes and it's not bad by any by any stretch it's just like something about like the overwhelming because nine or ten seasons of soprano like yeah i think there's only six or so but yeah the yeah i definitely do like it's hard to watch two episodes in a day because it's like they're both an hour and stuff yeah so i will sometimes if we have the time but yeah i definitely won't be watching like more than two Mm. at the most so enjoying it yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I, I was the same as old. Like the first, maybe three episodes or something. I was just like, oh yeah, we can we can watch it. I guess if she if like my mom wanted to and stuff. But now I'm just like, oh, I really want to watch and stuff. Like yeah. it it does pick up and they introduce a lot of characters as it goes and stuff. And none of them so far have been like, oh, like what's this guy doing? Like some of them I hate and some of them I love and mm-hmm. stuff. But there'll be no one that's just like, oh, why are they bringing that person? Like everything feels. Yeah motivated and as well i'm not big on tv shows i'm like way bigger on movies i like never watch tv shows and this is like the first drama show i've like actually like invested into otherwise i'm usually just like watching the simpsons or something like that but yeah, um yeah, yeah. which is my favorite show definitely but um oh yeah sopranos Hell is like yeah. it's got like all these overarching <laughs> stories and stuff so like maybe something that comes up three episodes before they'll acknowledge it every kind of episode mm. in between but they won't like fully address it and it won't solve they're just like oh this guy's still missing or whatever like they they let the story run through and stuff so they'll have lots of stuff going on at at once which i really like and it was just something i was not expected to as as being someone that doesn't watch a lot of shows that's yeah. probably a, a very rookie response but that's um... <laughs> well, I, I definitely think i mean it's the show that really led to like a domino effect of television kind of starting to push up to the same sort of standards of, thing, of, yeah. of in terms of quality yeah yeah, yeah like yeah. you know we can't all they can't all have the breaking bad pilot i mean like that's the fact of the matter is most shows they can be pretty tough to get through the first three or four episodes and yep. admittedly after the pilot for breaking bad there's a slow two or three episodes that precede it but there's enough to keep you yeah keep you involved um and it's it's interesting because yeah you know everyone always comes back to the sopranos the sopranos and the wire are the two that always yep. gets like mentioned um and then yeah it normally leads to that domino effect of your breaking bads and your game of thrones and your walking well, deads it's, and... it's interesting you mentioned like you know being a rookie in terms of mm. how how do they structure it from episode to episode yeah because like some shows do experiment more than others and i think the walking dead's a good example of they'll separate like a group of 20 characters and then six episodes are just individual journeys which yeah. is it's a gamble and for the most part, for sure. The Walking Dead, it just bored the hell out of me because I didn't yeah. care about half those characters. So mm. that, that's a wasted episode. Yeah. But, um, the, the, but wall- the alternative is more expensive, is to have all the threads keep going yeah. per episode. It's, it's interesting because I, I found myself in the same sort of school of thought. I think last year, I mean, I was trying to do my 365 challenge and it's like, 
I ended up with just over 300 films and it's like mm-hmm. you watch I, I got much more used to watching a film than I did watching a show and I actually found it and I still find it kind of difficult unless the show is like a sure thing or I've already yeah. or in previous years when I cared about shows more had already invested seasons in um, that was enough to keep me involved but yeah um, this this year I've definitely changed I've definitely probably watched more shows than I have mm, gone for a show interesting. period at least for yeah yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'm watching shows that have got like eight or nine episodes. They're more series than shows. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. The serialized format, I think, is actually where shows have started to go a bit more. Yeah. Over the the seasons, because serialized, if it if it ends, they don't necessarily need a preceding season. Yeah. Or series. Mm. Like well, that. it's just, it's just the bingeability now mm. of things that yeah they they can put a series a serialized story out yeah and it's less of a risk because like well, people are always going to get back to it on streaming it's, or wherever yeah. it's also like like eight episodes at 40 minutes and then like the sopranos i think there are some seasons that are like what 15 or 16 episodes or yeah I, that's I'd a lot when so, you're hey. doing when you're doing 45 minute chunks yeah like it really starts to add up over time like a season is like a monolithic yeah. thing it's go back to the though. prison break days 24 yeah. episodes per season oh. 40 minutes yeah yeah, see, Simpsons has got like some of the some of those scenes got like twenty two to twenty five, but they're all like twenty minute ones. And since I was so used yeah. to twenty minute episodes, like jumping into like the field of like fifty five minute episodes or something yeah. like that, I was like, this is like this is like not a show, but it's not a movie. So I yeah, was like, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not too well, keen on it. I and- was- I was a big fan of like Buffy and 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 Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel and Buffy the Vampire Slayer and it's like they, they were twenty five episodes and they were forty yeah. minute episodes. Oh apart. wow! And you just would be like, but at least the benefit of that show was there would always be most episodes would only be single standing episodes. Like they were, yeah, they weren't a part of an over. Well, they had overarching stories, sure, but like most of them were. This was a, like it's a Scooby Doo thing, you know. This is the mystery for this episode. Yeah, 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 mystery. yeah. Which is exact uh, same with the Simpsons. Like they get a girlfriend and they have to break up by the end or whatever. But yeah, they address that, that within quo. the show. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's that weird it sort of like a re- like that cyclical thing. Like it always returns. Yeah, back yeah, yeah. To normality by the end of the yeah. episode. Yeah, that, that was the rule. That was the, yeah. the sure rule. And that was, I mean, going back to Breaking Bad, that was the whole concept of that episode. Is instead of having a status quo, let's make a protagonist who's changes throughout the entire series mm. so he's unrecognizable yeah. from one season to the next well it yes. means you can't readily like you can't jump to the third episode of breaking bad in season one to the fourth episode in the third season you yeah. wouldn't have a clue yeah what, yeah yeah, what's yeah, going yeah. On yeah. too much all. is going on yeah um and i actually think that predominantly that was to do with shows like sopranos yeah and mm. to do with shows like that and, and and the wire and lost these shows that were like oh we've got this big overarching story of course things like lost didn't were incredibly underwhelming by the end and everyone hates the ending of that. I mean, most people hate the ending of The Sopranos. Like, that's iconic yes. for Infamous for how frustrating mm. the ending of, of that yes. is. I'm not yeah. to talk, we're not going to talk probably... Yeah, yeah. I don't know, I, I, you know. No spoilers, but I do know a general gist yeah, of how yeah, it yeah. ends. But... I think everyone knows kind of like the reason, the, the not the way it ends, but yeah, like what filmic... Yeah. yeah, how do yeah. I explain this? You know like what I the mean? Cuts, I guess the cut. Yeah. yeah, so like I, I only know vaguely used. that through it being addressed in pop culture and stuff like that, yep. and people saying that. So I'm kind of curious how the last but episode will pan out. And now how that it gets you told me about that. the movie, I think that might even take away from the frustration. Because yeah. yeah, can we can we learn more about this uh, movie? Is this an what? El Camino effect? Like, is this going to be like an El Camino? Who knows? It's way um, of tying the bow. I can't remember what it's called. 
The yes. Many Saints of... Oh, you know, I've, That's the one. I've heard of this. I didn't realize this was Sopranos. Yeah, 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 it is. So I, I believe, because I, I haven't really looked into it at all, and I don't want to yet, but I know there's actually, there's a lot of... There's a few I'll take famous the hit for you. In there, so I'll take the hit for you. I'm reading this now. To be to be honest, Ricky, because you've told me that, that makes me want to watch The Sopranos. Ah, more. Interesting. Like, yeah. I want to know if if I know I'm going to get not satisfied and then get a movie that will make me satisfied, then I'm okay. With yeah. It. Have you have you guys There's, seen Goodfellas? Yeah, yeah we love Goodfellas. Um, there's yeah. so many that I did not realize, but there are so many actors from Goodfellas that are in The Sopranos and stuff, and some of them playing similar roles, some of them playing mm. completely different roles and stuff. So that was just like really cool to see. Yeah, According to this, the film follows the teenage years of Tony Soprano in the midst of a vine. It is a prequel. It is a prequel. Yeah, I wasn't sure because so they go. addressed him as Anthony in the trailer. And I was like, well, Tony. his son is technically Anthony <laughs> and so is he. So that's why I didn't know if it was his son had grown up or it was him mm. earlier. So now I know. That's intriguing. That yeah, makes me very so intrigued. I, I, it looks like it's still on track for later this year. Yeah, September or maybe October first. I mean, October first is the current. So you got to hurry up, streaming streaming platform. It is. It's a HBO. It looks like a simultaneous release, so it should come to our theaters. It is. Yeah, yeah. I saw the trailer at um when I was watching Suicide Squad, actually. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Maybe we so there's a trailer out. Oh my god, jeez. Yeah, I haven't brain. seen the trailer. Oh, actually, I did see it, obviously, when it popped up, but I kind of tried to zone out a bit. I was like, oh, I don't want to look, I don't want to see well, too much. But I saw yeah. Ray Liotta in there, so. Oh, interesting. Yeah. He's working. <laughs> but before we start to slowly move towards the uh, second half of our show, what did you think of The Suicide Squad? Oh, I actually quite enjoyed it. I, I'm saying to Jake earlier, I'm not mm. big on, su- uh, uh, sorry, not big on superhero movies in general. He's like, not I, big on suicide. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was about to say for a second. Uh, yeah, not too big on any of them. And I've, I've have got around to watching a decent amount now. Like I kind of always see it off. So then I was like, let me give it a chance. Haven't really liked it, but Suicide Squad was probably one of my more enjoyable um, superhero movies. I guess because it had like a good amount of of everything in there. Like it's still not gonna be one of my favorite movies ever, but um, I did actually enjoy it. And and I'm obviously a big fan of of John Cena and stuff. So that was pretty cool to see him on there. And I liked um. I liked how they had that whole, you know how most movies have a false ending. This had a false start, I thought. Yeah. So that was yeah. really cool. I really enjoyed like every every minute of that start and stuff. And there was um some good characters. King Shark as well. He was very enjoyable. I liked how he was funny, but also really kind of wholesome at the end. So yeah. Um, yeah, you do feel kind of bad for him when he's crying in the bus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so pretty. De- I, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of the same issue I have with most superhero movies is why I didn't really enjoy the ending is like, you know, you gotta, but you can't really not have it in a superhero yeah. movie, but the whole big fight at the end, I was, it just like I felt it dragged on a bit too long and stuff, and I'm, yeah, I'm not usually, yeah, I'm not usually too too uh, having too much fun watching those final battle scenes, just for me personally, just a personal thing though, but yeah, yeah. otherwise it was most, most of it was pretty enjoyable, and the comedy in it was good, I thought. Yeah, yeah. it was like I was saying to you earlier, and I'm pretty sure I said it on our actual episode that we did a couple of weeks ago, but um, I, I feel because of the execution of it, even if you read the Wikipedia outline, it plays out exactly as you would expect it to. Yeah. Um, but because it sort of leans into a, uh, edges edges of a, of the square, if you will, in terms of telling a story, my mind was like wondering, oh, these characters could die or this could happen or this yeah. could happen. Like things that you wouldn't otherwise think would happen in like Black Widow, for example, mm. um, where you're never going to think any of those characters are in danger, which you've definitely um, said yeah. that before. Like, but, that's um, a good point. Hey? And it, it sort of tricked that's, me into... That's been the biggest frustration mm. for me. Yeah. Um, like it's that sense of mortality that particularly the MCU films 
and a good portion of the DCU films have completely lost touch with is the fact that they're they they're immortal. Like, yeah, they really are. They've got plot armor out the wazoo. Like that's mm. their real superpower is the fact that they actually can't <laughs> be killed because they need to fulfill a. 25 yeah. movie quota and only when they die most of them come back I mean at this point in time everyone bar one of those characters that died in what um, Infinity, Infinity War, War game. Ha- yeah, have back. come back in yeah. one way or another yeah so it, the inevitability is is there yeah um, and let's be real there's only a matter of time before Black Widow well I guess not now but it was because of out of film context that she probably won't get another um, oh no! Th- it definitely felt like her swan song. I mean, obviously she's suing Disney. I think the only reason she did it is because she knows that she's done. You know, I think it's the yeah. other way around. Okay, because so she knows I'm probably we lost not one. Films. We lost one character out of like, like that's my thing. Whereas, yeah, like, I agree. I le- legitimately, agree. yeah, the Suicide Squad is one of the fir- first films in any of those universe, those DCU or MCU that I felt. Any character could die, maybe bar one or two of them, but they definitely mm. felt more yeah. awesome. Which yeah, there is, were more stakes actually, like you know, in there that you could believe. Exactly. Well, like the only shows said. that have really shown any sort of assemblage. I talked about it. The boys on the show is yep. has got that sort of sense to it, and and Invincible showed a little bit of it. Um, those two shows on on um, Prime, Amazon Prime, yeah, um, Prime Video. That they the boys in particular shows that mortality side. So. That's what I really enjoyed about it. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, cool. No All right. Well, I, think, I think that satisfies the quota, doesn't it? No dramas. <laughs> well, I guess it's time for us to... Would you like to move into the next week on the show? Uh, no. It, well, oh, my was... God. We're jumping right uh, ahead. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry. No, well, I was going to ask. So, obviously, we would oh, do our career updates that's true. at this point. Um, and since we got a guest on the show, Very you've obviously voice. introduced yourself a little bit. But um, is there anything specifically you've been working on or, or generally what you do and? Anything you'd like to plug? Of the uh, well, yeah, I may as well. So, uh, also make uh, make a little bit of music under the name Wesley Black. So, mm. mainly mm. rap music, sometimes a bit more uh, alternative, I guess, changing up. But um, I do have... Oh, actually, this will go on Monday, won't it? Yeah. Yes. Okay, well, never mind then. I do have a show coming up this Saturday, but it's already passed. So, oh. hopefully hopefully it's gone well. Uh, this is future, <laughs> future Ricky talking, or future Wesley talking, sorry. Um... Uh, so yeah, that was good because I just put out like a little EP which you can listen to now. Um, do you have any other shows like before? other shows? Yeah, I do actually have one September second at Mojo's. So that Ooh, is actually nice. I'll be one of the supporting acts for Capes. Who speaking of uh, recent things we've done, that was uh, Capes is one of the artists. He's a local rapper as well, and he. Uh, I just made a music video for one of his songs, and so he's um hopefully good luck to him. I think the the finalists will be announced soon, but he's one of the finalists for Triple J Unearthed High School, so it would be cool to see him win. So his show um and his album launch is that one at Mojo's on the second, and so Beautiful. I'll be performing with him then. And you can check out the music video I did for him. So that was um Nuisance is the song which I directed, edited, shot, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it was good fun. It was good fun. That's very groovy. Mojo's yeah. is great. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mojo's. Shout out to Mojo's. <laughs> any any excuse to go to Mojo's. Definitely. <laughs> that's the way to do it. But no, that's really cool. Um, and then, yeah, you do your own, uh, you've done a lot of music video work too. Yes, yep, correct. Yeah, yep. So I got a few coming up as well. So hopefully, um, yeah, once I get those sorted up, I'm looking to upgrade a lot of my equipment because that's what I'm liking. Mm. I've only got one lens at the moment, so I've had to do, probably borrowing is the best way because a lot of rap videos I need, I need a lot of 
real close-up shots where they're getting mm. close to the camera. In my one, I've got to be standing a, a good decent amount away. <laughs> so. Can you think of a lens that could that could work in this situation? Oh, I'm sure I've got a car. <laughs> Ricky has seen my armory too. So. I, I was making a Fallen <laughs> Angels reference. Well, was, the old 6.8. Yes, exactly. 6. exactly. Um, I haven't got anything that wide. I think the widest I've got is... Oh, it's got to probably be probably 25. I don't have very wide... No, six. I have a 16, sorry. Okay. Um, but... I really wanted to... They've got, like, that range that you've seen and actually got to work with a couple of my lenses on, on that film that we did together. Um, there's one... They've got an 8. And I'd mm. really like to... Mm. really like to play around with one yeah. of those. Very experimental. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 No, Ricky often messages me um, asking about black magic stuff. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah, because... Pocket I, stuff. I, um, yeah, like I was saying, I was, I'm more... Like, I like doing a lot of writing directing mainly editing and stuff whereas actually actually using the camera um i wouldn't say i'm useless but i'm i'm very novice level where i'm only just starting mm-hmm. to that case video was the first time i've properly really done it for like an actual like client or someone else or whatever oh, i just really used it in a yeah i've just really used it in a bigger capacity kind of thing so i'm still really new to actually using the camera mm-hmm. and um and basically all of that so that's why you'll be uh Getting a few messages from me probably in no the future problem. as well. I'm still <laughs> learning. <laughs> I mean, I, I honestly, like, I started to, when we did that film together, that's when I really started to push into that more camera stuff because yep. I'd been doing the writing and directing some of it with Jake in the last couple of years and I really started to move more towards the camera department because I liked it more as less stressful, in my opinion, or at least it was it was more um, monofocus, I guess. Like, I, I really liked just being able to be like, oh, my job is to get the shot. I don't have to deal with, not to not to bash any of this. This is not bashing. This is me just being like I don't have to deal with personnel, sure. like actors and stuff. <laughs> um, Jake, please. Um, <laughs> and just like the directing stuff can be very intense, I think. Mm. Um, and writing, it, it can be very full on trying to manage a lot of that stuff. And yeah. Whereas if your sole focus is just working on the camera or, or working on just the edit, it's like, you can be very focused on that one task. Yeah, I agree. That's what I liked when we worked on that film together. It was like really nice just to be able to be like, all I have to do is get the shot and that's that's all I have to yeah. do. And that yeah, was, exactly. Um, don't have to worry about the editor or the first AD not getting along with the actors and stuff. Yeah. Just everything went went swimmingly. That's the, good, that's the best way. That's yeah. the best way. Um, we can all hope. Every oh, production's I mean, that was, like that. that. Was a pretty, I mean, that was a pretty full-on experience for us. That was our first... I mean, I talked about it a little bit on the show, but it was also mm-hmm. for you. It's like that was our first ever working in an intimate scene. Uh, yeah, together. Right, yeah, and that was a really interesting experience for sure because everyone handled it incredibly professionally. Yeah. Um, but you know, as as younger and aspiring filmmakers, that was definitely a challenge for us to try and work around that scene. And yeah, we were dealing with some really heavy subject matter, so that was that was a really full on. Yeah, um, there was a lot going on in there. Hey, you're you're right actually. Now that you now that you bring that to my attention, there <laughs> now, was now actually you a lot. It. <laughs> so, yeah. That was a pretty big challenge for someone that was only you know, a couple of early twenty year olds being yeah. like, Yeah, let's just casually handle oh right, this is an intimate scene, let's just get right into it. Like yep. <laughs> so um, it's just like oh, it was just it was such a I remember blocking it out with Cassie Powell, the director of, of that film and being like, this is a really cool... It's really cool when you get presented those challenges. I'm sure you can uh, attest even with just music videos when you get given that that like ability to kind of express... Like a bit more creative expression and mm. you get to deal with some... Probably some interesting subject matter in your, your you know songs and stuff like that that you have to kind of complement with visual imagery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. Mm. I definitely agree with that. 
What's directing like? Directing? Uh, like it's, in terms of that music video. Yeah, it's really... It's good. Um, it would... Yeah, no, it is actually really good. It is really good. It's just sometimes I think I need a bit more knowledge in terms of shooting. So I'm happy with the direction I'm going now, where some things I think are a lot easier to achieve than they are actually. And same with lighting as well. Lighting is something that I haven't really got to got to tackle in. But that's the scariest one for me. I'm not going to lie. Lighting yeah, seems like it, there's a agree. lot of stuff going on. And, there's, and, and, and that's exactly something where it's like once you do the lighting or once you get the shot, it's done or whatever. Whereas editing, you can fix up and stuff, but I can't really see you, you being able to do much about bad lighting in mm-hmm. post. So no, you can't do too much about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, so I think a lot of pretty much are... lighting, um, not even so much color, but lighting specifically. And yeah. uh, if something's out of focus, then good luck. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely yeah. That film we did together, and I was like trying to follow them and rack focus at the same time was just hell. Yeah, I remember being like, no one talked to me. I'm getting, I need to follow because uh, in the scene it was, we had to follow them through this like apartment block and, uh, and it was just like trying to track their movements and they hadn't got like too many markers or anything because they were given quite a lot of um, actoral freedom. And so it was like trying to like micro pull and stuff. I couldn't, but those sort of, that's what I love about that or directing or any role on a set when you're given that kind of challenge is you're just bettering yourself. Like even yeah. if you make the mistake, you're you're furthering your skill, you're learning from it and it's like lighting. I think we've all done a really bad lighting job at some point in one of our mm-hmm. films and we've looked back it's on it. It's a lot of just, practice. Lot of yes, absolutely. Yeah. Like some of Definitely. even yeah, some of the earlier works like I I've watched that I've made, I just cringe at some of the lighting I've done. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, how did I mess that one up? Yeah, as well in terms of directing as well, you know, you, you always feel like oh any role obviously you're improving so much every time. Mm, but it's like yep. even just as a person, like I feel like yeah, especially if, if I'm shooting like a rap video or whatever, stereotypically there'll be like a lot of people in it or whatever you know that they're all like turning up and stuff like that which i usually try and steer away from because i like to put like a little bit more of a storyline kind of thing in there or like some sort of concept but um with a lot of those you know having so many people is actually like way harder to manage than i thought it was going to be i'd just Mm. be like all right i got my shot list we can easily stick to this time but you know they're humans as well they're going to be like messing around and having jokes and stuff but then also it's like i look behind the sun's coming down like guys we're gonna get this (laughs) shot like right now like we still got more shots to do and we can't do these at night time you get this special ability as a director to watch the sun in real time yeah 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 Yeah. (laughs) nothing there's nothing worse than when it's not moving quick enough too and you just watch your extras sitting there for like four hours yeah learn that one the the hard way also (laughs) yeah um tough Stuff. Yeah, it this is. It's all tough. It's yeah. all it's all learning. So yeah, yep. yeah, very way. enjoyable though. Very enjoyable. I love it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I guess it's time for us to move into our film of the week, Jake. Ooh, I guess it is. Ooh. But Jake, what are we watching <laughs> this week on the show? We're watching Fallen Angels. Correct. Thank you. 
天使の恋は止まらない天使の涙 A disillusioned hitman attempts to escape from his violent lifestyle against the wishes of his partner, who's infuriated with him, and an eccentric mute repeatedly encounters, then subsequently falls for a depressed woman looking for the prostitute who supposedly stole her ex boyfriend's affections. So, how great、um, is that right up? <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on there. You can already see that、um, it kind of gives the idea that, which I didn't read this before, but it gives the idea、mm. that. There's not one main character, or maybe there is, but there's, there's、no. multiple stories at least going on. You're going to get in depth with more than one character, so,、yeah. which was definitely the case in this movie. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's, it kind of felt like a bit of an anthology in a little bit of a way, but yeah. yeah.、Um, all right, Fallen Angels. So, well, the, the clo- I mean, we watched it together. Yes. Ricky, but, yep. but Zeke, we, we are completely blind to your thoughts,、yeah. other、Watch. than the fact that you, you were compelled to do some research ahead of. Or, or, or ahead of this podcast, I should say. Yes. Zeke, what were your thoughts on Fallen Angels? Wow, what a, what a film. I think I wrote, I wrote to you when you started.、Um, I wrote,、mm. this film was whack.、Um, yeah, which we're trying to interpret. Whack,、uh, whack yeah, can be many、uh, things. <laughs> I just like, I think it, the film is, is fascinating because I, I like, particularly, you know, obviously the setting, it's in, it's in Hong Kong City and, and stuff. And, I, that's what led me down the, the rabbit hole. I was like, why are they using ultra wide? And it's like, I've been to Hong Kong and I was like, it's because everything is just clo- you know,、mm. all over the top of each other, claustrophobic. I think they talk、mm. about the Noodle House scene where they had a 9.5 and that's where they moved down to the 6.8 because,、um, you know, Wong Kai Wai was like, oh, can we go wider? And because that way, and. You know, that level of distortion. It's like the only way to capture how tiny, like, capture that full、yeah. noodle shop space that was to get something that、mm-hmm. wide. And, you know, something that, I mean, that's at a fisheye level.、Um, you know, you pretty much can almost capture the cameraman next to you with something that wide. And I, I, that was, that look was just so interesting to me、mm. straight off the bat. And, I think the, you know, reading the lock line, that just shows how much is going on. I, you know, this is the first film I've seen from him、um, because it's actually pretty difficult to watch a lot of Hong Kong、It、cinema is, in、yeah. the world.、Mm. That was one, I said this to Jake when、um, you proposed the idea to him.、Um, I was like, the only time I've seen a lot of Hong Kong cinema available was when I used to take the plane, the Cathay Pacific Airline plane,、uh. to Hong Kong. And of course, they would have a selection of Western films and stuff like that, but they would also have a Quite a large array of, of Hong Kong cinema.、Yeah. And pretty much outside of, of Hong Kong, I haven't really seen that much、mm. of their cinema, which、yeah. has been such a fascinating,、um, which is why this proposal was just so fascinating and intriguing. We love, love our foreign cinema on here, but particularly、yeah. stuff that's so obscure and quite, more importantly, hard to obtain. Yeah, well, that, that's probably one of the hardest films we even had to obtain. And the only legal way <laughs> you can watch it with any. Sort of immediacy because you could order it from Criterion Collection as part of a, a collection of several of his films,、yes. which is very expensive and will take a very long time to arrive.、Yep. Otherwise, the only other way to do it is if you have a VPN and you're paying for it, you can、uh, swap over to an American or Canadian account, put a fake email in Criterion's streaming service, and then watch it that way with a 14 day free trial. That is, sort <laughs> of, that, that is the, the most illegal,、uh, sorry, the legal quickest way. <laughs> 
to watch this film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it does seem to be. Yeah, it does seem to be like that. But I think yeah, it was. It was. We said it afterwards it was quite worth the uh, mm. worth the attempt, though. At least yep. it, it. Yeah, it felt like. I, I don't, don't think I've ever watched a film like this. Yeah, like, interesting. Um, yeah. in terms of. <laughs> Sometimes at times it gave me a little bit of like run Lola run vibes. Okay. Um, that was the first thing that it kind of that struck with me. Um, the 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 parallel storylines that were going on were really interesting. Like sort of the you know look into this hitman and this hitman's contractor. I think she's he, she's cited as the agent that employs and and cleans up after his hits. Yep. And then the uh, man that crashes into other people's businesses and pretends to run yes. businesses. Um, it's it's really interesting. There's, I'm sorry. There's a guy whose credit is literally just forced to eat ice cream. That's ah. his character's name. <laughs> and it, it was weird to go from the, the, the calm and concise ones to obviously two very irrational mm. characters and i think that was the whole yeah sort of uh, juxtaposition of almost sanity i guess maybe sanity or or uh or like calmness and tone uh, yeah. yet they all still had the same level of of loneliness and cravings and i yeah. think that's the you know it's it's funny you brought up taxi driver i think you brought it up before was it before the show oh, yeah, i had enough i brought it up nothing to do with this film but yeah. that's um, not a bad comparison either yeah, I actually don't think it is a bad comparison because a lot of the loneliness um, sort of thorough-through storylines that happen in Taxi Driver happen at night, um, and in which this film takes solely place at night. And I, I think that that's really what I got from the film, and it was such a unique way of doing it and, and stylized way of doing it. I don't know what category of cinema or movement of cinema I would put this to, but mm, yeah, that's what Lee like is fascinating to me. Yeah, I, I definitely I found it in terms of the way it looks. It is almost experimental in areas, and we yeah, you know, we kept talking about sort of how they would play with the camera, almost like the shutter speed, and yeah, sort of how they would a lot of that. manipulate lot of that. the image, yeah, or even just like. We theorized some of those because uh, this is 1995, so there's not a lot of digital technology in yep. this film. But the way that they were probably putting like the actual original negatives of the film through like dye to create certain visual effects. So it's yeah, just a sure. lot of interesting stuff going on there. Um, yeah. And even the way the the angle of the camera or the the you know the width of it all, the fact that it is basically a fisheye. Yeah. I like the way it affected the action scenes. It reminded me a bit of the original Max Payne video game, just like the swooping camera. There were a lot of comparisons by the filmmakers to comic books. So Interesting. See, That's can, cool. That's cool. see the Max Payne, um, where you've got that from. Yeah, especially that one shot. I think it's in the trailer where the guy's like, he's got the gun completely, like his arm is up, completely forward-facing, and he's like running across the camera and obviously has a more of a warped image because he's directly running past as the camera tracks him. And just that shot in particular, I was like, that was like yeah. a Max Payne shot in slow motion. Oh. I love that. Yeah, yeah, there's just oh, there's just so much that comes to mind with this movie. Like, I really, really, really liked it. And it just, like, was so interesting in how he found a way to kind of be experimental, but or maybe, like, better words, probably just, like, original in, like, in, like, so many different areas. Like, mm-hmm. if you think about, like, even the way he shot it, obviously, that we were talking about, but um, with, with all these unconventional lenses and, and shots and stuff like that. And a lot of the shots as well, like straight off the bat, like he, he just jumps straight into it. Like it, it's experimental from the first few seconds or whatever, yeah. but oh, there's so many shots where it's a real close up to the character, but it has a bit of that fisheye kind of look to it that mm. usually would make someone look 
less attractive maybe like it's it's not like a conventional shot where you're just like looking at someone you're like so uncomfortably close to them right. which is such a weird thing to do but it was it felt so original and, and as well it swaps into a good amount of the movie takes place with a different or oh, is this a spoiler if i say like a different camera uh, we're, we're pretty much spoiler free from yeah. the get-go at the, okay at cool cool rate. cool um, yeah yeah um well yeah they i guess it's not really a spoiler but what they they kind of experiment using a different camera and stuff um if you guys get what I mean, right? Mm. When he's like kind of, he's he's doing a bit of filming and stuff and he mm. kind of shows like what that would look like. So they do the whole movie within a movie oh, sometimes yeah. thing gotcha, and stuff, gotcha, gotcha. which I, I really love that. I was like, oh, that's interesting. You don't see that a lot in movies and, and color like we we're talking about. Yeah. And being a 1995 movie, we we're very curious about how some shots are predominantly black and white, but with a few like reds and yellows just seeking through. And, um, and, and a lot of the color in the movie, I mean, the whole movie is like, really color inspired like there'll be shots that are like all green and then mm. there's all red and then there's all yellow and stuff and a lot of the times yeah. it'll be like green background but their skin tones are very red and stuff so he's really on that you know complementary kind of colors and stuff and it was just so cool to see um like a director just go like all out with color be like yeah i know this doesn't look natural but um you know we're gonna do it anyway and stuff so i love that kind of stuff i thought I, that yeah. was, really it was an cool. interesting way of sort of incorporating a warped character perspective yeah like um, you know, strangely enough, if you if we look back even you know, a couple of weeks ago to a film like The Suicide Squad, and I can't believe I'm citing and putting these two together, but it makes sense. <laughs> the point I'm trying to say. Okay. Um, obviously, in that film, they use sort of digital rendering and, and little camera, mostly to just digital and visual effects to capture a character's mind and perspective in, in that scene. You know, you take something like the polka dot man seeing his mum everywhere when Harley Quinn's slashing through all that and all of the... The flowers are going everywhere, and it's right. very much like, oh, that's in the mindset of the character doing yeah, what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. non-diagetic, already a uh, visual. Sorry, and obviously, visual. I feel like that's the same sort of effect that they're trying to create here, except they're doing mm. it solely with the use of film by yes. playing yeah. around with negatives and dyes and stuff like yeah. trying to yeah. show these warped character well, it, perspectives. It makes it makes the place a location, and we saw we talked about that. I think even just last week with Blade Runner, or it was, we talked about it mm. recently for something. Uh, oh, the um, the Tyler Sheridan trilogy. Yes. How like you know those locations are characters in and of themselves. Yes. And I and I buy it here, and I want to give a shout out to uh, I actually followed this dude. He's pretty local on Letterbox. Uh, now Biz, who actually said they made street photography into a movie, and I love mm. that that because I thought the same thing of yeah. There's almost a grittiness to it, even though it's not like a gritty film per se. There's obviously lots of violence and. Yeah, it's all nighttime, a lot of yeah. neon lights and that yeah. kind of thing. But when I thought of Gritty, I was specifically thinking of how in your face the camera is the entire time. Absolutely. And that we're so ingrained into this world because it feels like everything's so tangible. Everything's yeah. so close to the frame. It's it, interesting. It did as well. It really sucked you into the environment. I remember even at the start, even the montages are so differently done. Like, you yes. can just hear every sound that you wouldn't usually hear. Like, at the start, um, I think it was that... Um, did you say she was like an agent? That's probably the best way to put it. Yeah, yeah she's that's, a killer's agent. Yeah, the, the, uh, she. I'll put um, it up. This is at the very start as well, but um, oh, it is. Oh, cool, yeah. perfect. Um, <laughs> yes, this is at the very start, but even those montages are so unique. Like it, it, mm. it doesn't glorify her lifestyle, but it really lets you 
kind of hear it and stuff. Like you're hearing all like the street noises and like her opening up these rubbish bags mm. and stuff. And you can just like hear mm. everything going on. And it lingers a bit longer than, than uh, what most movies usually would. But I think it's got the idea of like, okay, this is this person's life. You know, we don't have to let her talk or something. We can just like convey exactly how she's living. Like, you know what kind of person she is just from like watching it. And it did feel like a lot of that movie with, with kind of the, um, I think you said floaty camera is a good way yeah, to say yeah. it. Like that really handheld look. Mm-hmm. Man, it, it made it you feel like you were watching that person. Maybe you were just observing him. It didn't feel like, you know, it was on a tripod. It was like someone's actually like watching them and you're getting a, a good glimpse at it. So that was that was done really really well as well. Well, like everything no, I thought was done. I 100% so. agree. And I yeah. think to tie both your points together, I think that's why things like the ultra-wide are being used because we're trying to characterize the city and we're trying to really press into... I, I think this is the juxtaposition between the characters' ideologies and sort of what the story's trying to tell is we have four very... Four in particular very unique characters mm. and... Um, we're constantly thrusting into their face and really getting a glimpse and really getting to look into their, uh, for most, for the most part, they all have very unique characteristics and professions and stuff. And yet they're also worried about memory and being remembered yeah. like in the world. Yeah, and I yeah. find that's really interesting. The fact that, you know, it's like the killer's agent and the killer they're they're inherently lonely people who are constantly worried about memory. It's like when the killer meets someone he knew from high school. Yeah. And <laughs> that's a great scene. And yeah, it, is that a, was. It's, it is an interesting scene. And, and they sort of, he talks about how people like know him for this thing yet. Um, no one really knows, knows him, you know, like he lied. Yeah. He took a picture with an Afrikaans woman, um, to pretend that it's his wife and a kid because he bought him an ice cream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, and yet no one inherently knows the type of person he is except the killer's agent. Yeah. Is the only one who actually fundamentally knows anything real about him or tangible. Yeah. And yet she's, all, and she's constantly thinking about him and is suffering from her own loneliness mm. because of her profession obscuring her from any sort of actual social yeah. sociability. Yeah. Um, well, it's about loneliness. And I, I almost yeah. made the joke. I didn't uh, in front of you, but it's like, this is unrequited love, the movie. Yeah. And the fact that there's almost like these, um, I want to say crush, but you know, like there, there's a sense of love for one person that's shared by this other person, but it's unrequited. And then the other person behind them is in love with mm. them. Yeah. Kind of like how you have the guy that's constantly chasing the girl who's constantly chasing Another the guy. guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And but like I, that train I also think I the film does its best to desexualize a lot of it. Yep. Takes a lot of yeah. it takes these these people that are in incredibly sexualized clothing and chooses to film them from incredibly unflattering angles. Yep. And yeah, stuff that's true. In yeah, like moments, her on the bed. Yeah. You know, well, it's like the moment when she's like pleasuring herself on the bed. It's in one of the most awkward angle. There's yeah. no sexualization to it. There's no. Yeah. I said this last week on the show. There's no hungry eyes playing in the background <laughs> while the yeah. beautiful blue lights <laughs> capturing. You know, it's not romanticized and. It's actually... Is it re- quite sad, really? Because it, it, yeah. straight away after that, you're like, oh, she's, like, alone and sad. And you can kind of yeah. be like, well, she it, doesn't feel satisfied at the end. She feels, like, empty at the end. And, and it plays with that the it, second time. It, exactly. Yeah, when it follows her around and we see her crying by yeah. the end of it. It's like it really shows that it's not... She doesn't go... Because apparently, you know, she's there cleaning up and it's like, that's the killer's bedroom and stuff. So that's the only form of connection she has. And it's it, it's not anything tangible. It's just projection and mythos. Yeah. And I think... 
that that's and it's like the guy who goes in and, and breaks in all of you know, all of these workplaces and stuff any form of human interaction he has is forcing people to eat ice cream yeah. and, <laughs> and and he talks about this girl that's who's equally depressed yeah and in, you know this that, week. and that was so cool to see a character develop so much without saying a word like he says a lot um which you can just mm-hmm. hear inside his head but to any other character he does not say a word for the whole movie yeah. and it was so cool to see his different relationships and his pursuit for happiness i guess kind of progress without him needing to talk to any characters and stuff so he was a really good character that i didn't expect to to be so prominent in the movie but um oh and yeah. it's like that final scene you know yep. with him where he's yeah like exactly trying to- He's faking the the blood yeah, to us, yeah. and she's yeah. not even giving him a bar of, <laughs> bar of soap. Basically, you know, it's like it was really interesting. I mean, I think that's and I think that's the core of this film, and I think the the fact it finds that balance of 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 showing loneliness, but also and showing craving, but also completely and utterly desexualizing it, or yep. making making it almost like boring and monotonous and life. And I think that the only other films that kind of carry those sort of themes are things like taxi driver and stuff like mm. they really show the monotony of loneliness um and obviously that's the westernized view of it too so that's why it's really cool to explore this yeah and what well, i would say the difference between those two films is is taxi driver it's a lot more focused and narrative driven and i remember thinking with this the narrative feels very secondary in this i feel like it's all about atmosphere and tone and mm-hmm. like those themes of of connection and and unrequited love and all of that it's in there um, they they constantly use the word partners a lot. Like yeah. I think that's the key word is partner and yeah. finding a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that was all secondary to the the tone and the fact that there were let scenes just play out. I mean, there was that one shot where Ricky made a joke, but it's like that shot's like two minutes long of them sitting sort of at the front and behind them is like a time lapse mm. of the people walking in and oh, out. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, like yeah. that shot, uh, Taxi Driver has moments kind of like that, particularly when he's on the phone and it, we sort of... Um, dolly to down the hallway and we sort of sit on that for a minute so i'm not, I'm not saying taxi driver doesn't have those moments but i think this film relishes in those of course silences and, and yeah. awkward moments even more much more poetic kind of yes. cinema where it, it just lets the scene speak for themselves and stuff you know they, they didn't say anything at all i believe from that entire scene but yeah did he, he, he just... did he have a monologue playing or there was always just the music there was at least for the end of it i remember there was just music maybe he would have said something just at the start but for a good portion of it yeah it was literally just like them sitting yeah. in this this strange shutter speedy kind of playing with shot and stuff going on in the back but them just yeah. sitting there and um yeah no exactly that i think poetic cinema is a great way of describing it. yeah i think, I think mm. uh, for scorsese i love him a bit but it's like you know all the themes in taxi driver are a little bit more overt and a little bit more on the surface and you can right. get them from initial viewings whereas this you know you can thrive and and kind of dissect on more profound ways and yeah like not saying it's a more profound film it's just it's you know there's you know we're sitting here dissecting it and taking bit by bit and going oh that was actually really intellectual and Mm. for something that at first can be is very jarring in its opening in the sense that you're completely not used to this type of cinema i mean having a film predominantly shot on a 6.8 millimeter lens is is for at the time, the mm. standard was eighteen millimeter, mm. so that's distorting in its own right. So it's like it's crazy to be like, yeah, you're seeing all of this, and you know, you our human eyes or our, you know ones who watch movies all the time, we're not used to seeing this level yeah. of, of of distortion and warp just yeah. naturally. So you know, only in scenes where it's like we're deliberately meant to feel 
distortion and warp whereas this film in its almost in its entirety yeah distorted and warp is fascinating yeah i noticed as well you said we're gonna say like something about a highlight shot was uh, it? Or we're gonna do our highlight scenes at the okay end of, so of i won't because this isn't it so i might just quickly mention okay that's this, fine, i don't then. forget then yeah but totally. um one of the cooler shots was um had me and jake even questioning which was the real one where they do a shot where oh, yeah. uh it's uh i believe it was the hitman he's kind of smoking and he's talking to someone who's who's in the middle oh, of the frame and it turns, so it's like it's turns mirror, to the yeah. right and then there's um and then he, he's there again and he's looking inverted so you're like Wait, was the first one a mirror or is this second one a mirror? And then it it pans back to the the original one on the on the stage left, I guess you could call it. Um shot and then so at the end we came to the conclusion that 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 second one, the one on the right is most yeah. likely the mirror. But um that was just such a cool shot for it, it to a- even be um, not that obvious for us, for us to actually be questioning, we're like, wait, is that the real one or is that the real one? Yeah, you know, that's yeah. a very interesting shot. There's some fantastic reflection shots. Yeah, like yeah, definitely, like shots that you whip out and you're like, wow, that's just a really cool shot. Like, yeah, <laughs> like and I, you know, it's funny because it's like not two minutes earlier, I'm talking about these shots that are not flattering at all to characters. You know, yeah, like, right. you know, in one of the interviews, apparently they said when like one of the um, you know, when the agent, uh, the agent rotated while she was in one of the scenes and they had the ultra wide on they were like she looked like pinocchio because her <laughs> nose was accentuated i was actually yeah. just about so to much. say that that lens you're right if your face is up front yeah it's your nose that's gonna that's good yeah. really yeah. so i'm glad you mentioned that. so it, it, and apparently and they, and then they were like that's how they had to work and learn it they were like okay make a face like straight ahead rather than pressing off to the right or the left because yeah it just accentuates your nose so much, that level of distortion. And yeah. It was just fascinating to see how they worked around it and still managed to find these shots that are just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And, mm. That's a good uh, point, hey. Um, where I they love, completely I, compliment... Uh, no, yeah. I was going to... You, you finish. Oh, no, yeah. Okay, no, I was just going to... I love the fact that they, they... Instead of being like, all right, well, let's use a different lens that compliments it. It's like, no, 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 let's stick with this. Keep this as the uh, the independent variable, and then yeah. everything we're going to work around work that. Around it, yeah. We're going to work around the camera techniques. And he did, so and it wasn't that. even it, you wouldn't even think that they're like, oh, they're trying to do this just because of this this lens and whatever. Like it still felt so natural and stuff. I honestly so. think the lens was solely to do with the location. There's a location yeah, context I'd thing, buy it, yeah. And that's when you know you bring in that city landscape, um, being a character and uh, making it into a film because. Hong Kong, yeah, it's a very claustrophobic place. Places aren't very big. Like, there are very few places bigger than the room that we're in right now. Like, so you need something that wide to just get everything in the scope. Mm. Otherwise, you have to go outside realms or start to make variables artificial in order to really capture how claustrophobic some of those places are and how tightly packed Mm. they are. And that's solely to do with just, yeah... Um, location context and yeah. cultural yeah. context. And what I love about it as well is like, it's not a gimmick because obviously it's the majority of the film is it look has this look to it. Mm-hmm. And you can look at something like Old Boy, which I don't know if either of you have seen the original uh-huh. Old Boy. Uh-huh. Oh, perfect. I, it, totally not a gimmick at all, but I yeah. want to compare it still to the hallway fight scene, which is yeah. iconic, but it's like that's the only scene in the film that has that kind of yeah. cinematography. Yeah. And I love that the film just commits. It's like, no, we're going to make the whole film yeah, 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 have yeah. this very singular look. And yeah. you're right. I think it is the location because the location is so important to the film yeah. that, of course, they're going to gear the cinematography around yeah. that. There is an observation you made um, at the very end of the film in regards Ooh. to the music. If yes. You, if you wanted to repeat that. Yeah, I just, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty mm. certain that that, that it ended on an English song, as in like 
uh, English language. It I don't was, know if it's like uh, American or something English. like that. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, um, but all the other music was, I believe, in Hong Kong. Well, I don't, yeah. I don't know what the way to say it, but I think all the other music was... Um, I believe yeah. it's ma- like Mandarin. Oh, okay. Possibly, like, yeah. Yeah, I'm not too sure. You could be right. But all, yeah, that none, none of the music was in English until the very last song. So that was an interesting choice. I'm not sure exactly what that means but um, or why they chose to do that. Because, yeah, all the other songs were, um, were not. So it was yeah. a cool little thing to end on. There's a bit of a thing here in Wikipedia about the soundtrack. That's why I okay. remember to ask you yep. again. And it does mention that the Flying Pickets version of Only You was used in the last scene of the yeah. film. But it actually does go into detail about each song that's used. It doesn't mention language, though, Yeah, which is interesting. One of the songs is called Speak My Language, but that might just be a coincidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could be wrong, though. There could have been another English song in there, but I'm pretty certain there wasn't. Yeah. yeah. It was very um interesting mix, too, of like contemporary and then old-sounding film. Uh, yeah. Like, sort of that mix between the two I found very intriguing and... And there probably was, if I, you know, if upon reviewing, there might be a motif there between the two juxtaposing lines. Yeah. Um, maybe one of them had um, more older, obscure film. Uh, mm. I definitely feel like the Hitman, Hitman storyline yeah. with Hitman and the Agent definitely had more noir-esque music to it. I agree. I um, I felt like um it, the music sounded like cool, like when it felt like he was like cool, calm kind of thing, and he was like walking in. And a lot of the action was happening over the top of that music. Mm-hmm. So you're definitely right, and that's an interesting thing. Maybe if I did watch it again, I notice: does someone get the sadder music? Does someone get the cool music? Or yeah. does this change yeah. like exponentially as the as the movie goes on? Yeah. So it's a good good that's thing to keep an eye out. And to. that's and that's the real thing. It's like some you know at the end of the day, unfortunately, most of the time we've only ever watched a lot of the films on this show that go under the the weekly microscope once or maybe twice. Yeah, yeah. and it's very hard. You know, sometimes when you're looking at explicitly the soundtrack, you need to just watch the film for the soundtrack. You yeah. can't watch any other variable in it. Yeah, and, uh, otherwise I... you always end up getting obscured by something else yeah. one um, of our one of our tutors at murdoch um who we all know of course glenn um yeah i remember him talking about the when the matrix came out for the first time it took him three times to actually figure out what was special about it and it's because of that that thing of watching it for narrative nope okay, i'm gonna watch it for for like it's it's aesthetic style no yeah. okay what about its score like watching films mm. for very specific things yeah. you're looking out for and um and of course with this yeah. film having such a an overt difference in its visuals it can be very yeah. difficult to actually really yeah. just tune into the music because yeah. you're like you're just taken aback by the land like the unique landscape you know obviously all being um children of the western cinema it's like looking in the hong kong nighttime landscape is a very fascinating thing yeah. you know it, we're a tourist in this world basically and um so that's enough and then you add on top of that the ultra wide lens. It's like very hard to just listen to just the music. But I did notice. I'm pretty sure you're right. I think the last one is the only English yeah uh, sung film uh, sung song in it that I can remember off the top of my head. Yeah, um, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Zeke, who is is what do you think of Blondie? Just just immediate <laughs> thoughts. What do you think of Blondie? I was such a that was such a '90s reference, Blondie. Like I was like, <laughs> uh, it's kind of the equivalent of like in Train Spotting when they're talking about Iggy Pop. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just like that's the whole joke with them is they're five years behind the rest of the world because Iggy Pop was bigger in the '80s. But it's just funny when it's like so grounded in um mm. like. Maybe I guess Blondie might have been big in Hong Kong in the nineties. Right, like. yeah. We we just uh, I mean that visual. First off, it's actually something to be because I was leading to a joke about how annoying she is. Yes, <laughs> the film. She did scream but a lot. During she the screamed movie. a yeah. lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, but that's oh, like it's... like 
I know, the, like, I know she's his... a character, but yeah. it's, I feel like the reference is a double entendre, right? Like right. For, for the, the artist. At least that's what yeah. I got from... I, I'm sure it is. And it could be the more literal thing of her having, like, change. She talks about changing her hair to yeah, be yeah, more yeah. noticeable and stuff. That is a big part of it. So yeah. you don't forget me. Like, that's the line. Yeah, like, that exactly. hits the nail on the head. It's exactly. like, oh, okay, the this memory. is... Every character is about memory and loneliness. And that mm-hmm. ties back to, you know, him filming the dad... And the fact that they didn't really have this vocal connection since their mum died being hit by an ice cream truck. Um, but the video is that connection. And that's something that, you know, the dad can watch and have that connection too because it's a memory. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, since he passes away by the film's end, that's something that now he can himself can look at and that's the memory yeah. from that. And that might be one of my favourite shots as well. It's not technically reflection, but seeing the TV cover half the screen and then them in the in the background recording the live feed of that TV and then coming mm, in to watch it. Pretty cool. That was a really, that was a really dope shot. But the thing I wanted to mention about the blondie is because we talk about um, the guys chasing her who does his own hair blonde. It's like a really dirty blonde, but then it, he says it mysteriously disappears. Much like she does. He's first love. It's yeah. like, I wonder if they, how metaphorical that is mm. or literal that is. Or It's interesting. Mm. Yeah. It got sure. me thinking. I couldn't yeah. give you a straight answer. Though. Yeah. <laughs> it's fair enough. Yeah. Like maybe it's another non-diegetic visual element. Yeah. But yeah, that's actually that's one. Before I forget, I gotta mention that's one thing I noticed is that the characters sort of having this like weird synchronicity in the knowledge, and they kind of joke with it where she's crying on his shoulder, and then he says like, "I don't say this stuff out loud," but it's almost like she knows what I'm thinking. Yeah. And then she immediately gets up and like, "You're right." Yeah. And it's yeah, like yeah. little moments like that where it's like, yeah, they don't speak but they understand each yeah, other. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was like a neat little yeah. thing. And sometimes they do that visually where he's about to throw the Molotov in the in the hallway, but then it cuts wider where you see like a logo on the side and then and that's their reaction to not yeah. throwing the Molotov in anymore. And it's like these weird things that make no sense in a literal sense, but visually we're learning as an audience, oh, this is this is what this character's thinking. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then the characters in the world understand that. Yeah. Um, it's just a neat little trick they do throughout... A lot of emotional understanding going on there. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to watch more of his films. You just have to come back and do a a one cry wife. I'd be keen because I've only seen In the Mood for Love, but um, Chunky Express and and this one here have been on my list for a very long time. So definitely once I saw you had a long list, I was like, oh, okay, let me think of one that... uh, yeah. That might be a bit. That might be a bit out of the way. So, which well, it definitely was. This, this was this was yeah. out of the way and half because <laughs> I sent it the the letterbox list that we have, and I was like, you can't talk about any of these. So I was like, that's 135 films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. Getting, it's getting a bit. Yeah, it's getting a bit hectic. Um, but you know, it's. I think that's a good time to jump into highlight scenes, Jake. Yeah, absolutely. I. Oh my god. You know what? You guys have to go first. I need to think about this one. Okay. I did have. I do have two off the top of my head. But okay. One you actually just mentioned earlier. So the the whole scene where there's the TV in the same shot mm. uh, as as the characters on the left, and he's kind of showing his dad that live feed thing. I thought yep. that shot was just so cool, and and, and how much it had going on, and how much uh, I guess I would have to. To, I don't know, prep everything to get in there, but I also, I think my proper favourite one... Oh, there's actually so many now. It's just got me thinking. Like, all the motorbike yeah. shots are really sick as well. But oh, they're beautiful, I, yeah. I think my favourite shot had to be um, uh, probably when he... Uh, oh, I believe it was the the character who doesn't speak. Uh, he's, he's showing his dad the video that he was making. Does that sound about right? That was him, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, and he's showing the video he was making, and his dad's watching it um, at nighttime, and he didn't yeah. know that he didn't know that his son was watching him. But he's kind of just like laughing at random points and just watching, and that 
that just felt like such a charming little scene. And I was like, oh, this is actually like really wholesome and stuff and getting to mm. see them uh, interact with their family where it was more positive rather than their relationship stuff seemed to be a bit sad and stuff, mm. which I loved as well. But it was it was such a nice little running to the toilet constantly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and him saying as well, he's like, oh, my dad was just laughing at random parts and, and I still don't know yeah. why. It was just, that was That's just a such a line, charming, yeah. charming yeah. little scene that that was probably my favorite one, my, my key one for that one. Yeah, that feels like a little to just cinema in general and the yeah. fact that like you know every now and then we would chuckle at like a line that would come yeah. up or something like that but also we you know we really wanted to focus on the film so yeah it's like oh i wonder what you found funny about that line so it, it feels like such a yeah. meta nod it's probably to cinema in general it's probably something that's happened to him with with mm. maybe a family member i don't know if it's his dad or someone and he's just like oh, i don't know why they're laughing at that but um and i find as well i gotta say that um i mainly if i'm thinking of um foreign films in Asia, it's usually Korean ones that I watch. Right. But um yep. I just find that that um those Asian foreign films have like such like they're still written in a way where it doesn't like lose its translation where the lines that I think are meant to be funny are still funny. Like I find yeah. myself laughing at at um at these types of films as mm. opposed to maybe like I don't know, European foreign films or something like that. Like they just have a lot more uh quirky charm and stuff to them which i think this yeah. film didn't lack on so it's funny yeah because like obviously we find a lot of bon Joon ho's films pretty hilarious when when they want to yeah. be as well yeah but the the drop kick out we made a drop kick joke as well oh, yeah, yeah yeah take a drink every time someone gets drop kicked we, we, there we was were, a lot yeah <laughs> we, were, we were joking when blondie was looking out the window she just drop, oh, yeah, kick, yeah. drop kick her out of the window <laughs> i don't like legitimately thought we might see a drop kick as well well, yeah, exactly. But uh, um, t- to that point, it's interesting because I think there are there is a lot of consideration about that of, of yeah. translating jokes yeah. from different regions, and that's what localization is all about. And like the fact that we're reading subtitles that they're probably not one to one accurate, but they're yeah. written in a way that we, as a Western English speaking audience, can interpret. Yeah, in a way. And I, I it know lose what it's trying. Yeah, to like say. there are moments yeah. in the farewell that legitimately make me laugh. Oh, like, exactly. The yeah. farewell hits a lot of that yes oh oh that movie yeah yeah i haven't seen it though with with okafina right yes Yes. Yes. oh my god is absolute robbery of the oscars dude dude Mm. i have a spare copy on dvd oh i can give it to you oh perfect i might have to watch that then yeah I got, I, got, I got two copies just sitting oh. in my room. Oh, well, perfect. Oh, you, definitely. you don't have it already, Zach, do you? No, I don't. Oh. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. I've seen it. Well, you yeah, well, that's, that that's it. He hasn't seen it. So. True, true. Yeah, I'll give you a copy of the DVD. Oh, hell yeah. I'll definitely take yeah, that. Yeah, man. Then. Absolutely. Appreciate that. Been trying to get rid of it for like six months. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. sorry, Zach. I uh, just assumed. No, it's cool. It's a fan. T- it, honestly, yeah. in my opinion, it was the... It was the <laughs> Robbery of the year in terms of when it was zero season. Oscar nominations, yeah. unbelievable! Yeah. Wow, absolute robbery. That but it legitimately makes you laugh and then it makes you cry. Like it's got that perfect balance. Ooh, between yeah, it, yeah, so. yeah. Um, yeah. But what's, yeah. what's your highlight scene? Zeke? Sorry, we've just completely <laughs> got on a tangent there. Um, derail, yeah. My highlight scene. Mm, look, to be honest, I really like all of the Hitman fight scenes. The way they mm, they're great. The, the, yeah. From a cinematic point of view. There's such an interesting way of kind of capturing that John Wick esque momentum, yeah. but like in the like that video game esque feeling is probably the yeah. what hit the nail on the head. I really like those sequences. That's probably where I'm gonna sit for highlight scene. That yeah. and the bus. I actually like the bus scene a lot. The bus scene. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. coverage. It's, it's all funny. it's all like one shot in there. Well, yeah, not all, much. but like most of it. Yeah, and he's just he's looking forward, well, the, yeah. and the guy behind him, uh, he's old. He like leans high school in. There's a really like, good, a couple of good rear view mirror shots there. Yeah, really, really clever. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I kind of figured it out on the on the way. It was a very early scene. I think it's the first time we go into an actual like shootout, 
um, we see him sort of smoking and doing whatever in his apartment, but then we we tr- follow the process of him walking out and walking down the stairs and then oh, going yeah. to this first shot. And I remember saying to you, I reckon the reason, because that's when they sort of change the shutter where it's a bit slower and there's a bit of this jarring mm. motion going on. And, and I said, I reckon that's because he's so normalized the process of going out and killing a bunch of people that it, it sort of, it had that effect. And, and I remember yeah. distinctly my brain catching up with the fact that we just entered a, a gunfire scene. Because like, the first gunshot didn't like jolt me into the scene. It was like five shots in. Yeah. Well, I was like, oh, and we just like smoothly transitioned into yeah, a fantastic a, way of distorting yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, and like my brain like didn't catch up. I was like, oh my god, like I couldn't believe that just happened to me. Yeah, so yeah. That might be my highlight scene. For yeah. sure. Yeah. That's 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 actually a really good point. Cause I, I one thing that I usually really dislike about movies is when like someone dies and they're just like, oh yeah, yeah, he's dead or whatever. Like, don't worry about yeah. him. You don't have to sympathize with him or whatever. I'm like, yo, someone <laughs> died. But then with this yeah. one, they kind of did that. But in a good way, like all mm. these people died in these shootouts and you're like, oh no, you don't need to worry about them. Cause this main character, he's like, yeah, like you said, like, he's like, I do this all the time. You know, that they, they don't have background stories or whatever. They were yeah. here before they're gone now and stuff. And so that kind of ties in. So that it feels like everything's quite motivated in that. Hey. Yeah, absolutely. And so violent. So I love everything just flying around and being the cameras like inside the actual fight scenes it's yeah excellent it's excellent no dramas well you can catch fallen angels if you have a vpn on <laughs> uh, <laughs> was it Crit- H- criterion, criterion channel there you go oh yeah i think criterion and, uh, channel. i think i'm was it prime it's one of them isn't it like youtube uh, was it just I don't criterion think, i don't think it's just criterion because if it was on youtube or something i would have just got it that way um, I had to rent prisoners for two ninety nine on YouTube because they took prisoners? it off. Yeah, because uh. they took it off YouTube. Oh, not YouTube. So they took it off Netflix. Yeah, I think I did YouTube. watch it on Netflix. Uh, Criterion yeah. and Amazon. On Amazon, okay. there you go. Okay. In the states. So yeah, I was gonna say c- copper VPN. Yeah, either way, gonna get that VPN. But oh, speaking well. of streaming, Jake, what's yeah. new to streaming platforms and cinemas this week? This is a pretty um dry week, especially Ooh. in the streaming sense. Like between binge, it was pretty heavy last week. It though. was like especially with Paramount Plus being like brand new and all of that. It's pretty dead. The only things I can mention is the Benedict Cumberbatch True Spy Thriller: The Courier is out if you're into that on Prime specifically, uh, and Coella becomes available to all Disney Plus subscribers from Friday the twenty seventh. So if you're keen, I might, I might since it's now part of the subscription i probably would jump on that uh coming to netflix from mean girls uh, director mark waters brings you he's all that which is the gender swapped remake of she's all that mm. which in theory sounds kind of interesting it's like okay you have the girl who's you know she's doing the makeover for the guy now but i looked at the letterbox score it is abysmal Ooh. it's like 1.3 or something Ooh, that's so. bad yeah, <laughs> well, yeah that's no. kissing with three bad yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well i've seen people giving that better scores than than i was expecting yeah there's a guy I follow, the Oscar expert, and him and his twin brother, they do Oscar prediction videos. They're great. Yeah. One of them gave The Kissing Booth three, three and a half stars huh. and said it's better than Infinity War, <laughs> which I thought was a hmm. bold claim. Interesting. Very bold yeah. claim. But um, that's out. Also, The Witcher Nightmare of the Wolf is an anime feature film. I think it's revolved around The Witcher franchise. It I think. sounds like The Witcher. It yeah. sounds like it, yeah. So that's also coming to Netflix. Now, coming to cinemas, uh, you might be able to help us out a little bit. Working on some of this stuff. This I'm, is I'm on not my put- head. I actually don't know. I'm not putting you on the spot, but of course you work at a cinema, so you might yeah. have you might have an idea of where some of this stuff is coming from. And see, the only one I can remember strangely is the cave comes yeah. out on Thursday, but I actually forgot what it was about. A, a customer just asked me when it comes out. I think it's wait, is it in? Is it like an Indonesian soccer or something? Well, it's it's about the real life. Um, 
the youth football team that got stuck in the cave in oh. um gosh was it Taiwan? isn't it the one where bloody what's his name built like a tunnel thing that got him out mm. elon musk isn't that the elon musk's thing where he got those kids out of the cave i remember the story oh, no. don't remember all of the other stuff right yeah i, I remember think the kids being trapped they got him out I think that's like a pseudo documentary thing. Okay. By the time this episode goes live, that film will be up at yep. Voids. Um, we actually did talk about that last week, ironically. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, it's getting a little bit confusing because yeah. we're recording way earlier than we usually would. For that would a be week. tough if you actually had to remember everything coming out at the cinema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lucky I got that till in front of me, which I can see. Uh, you can if look it up. Drops on every Thursday. <laughs> I think yeah. Next time we have you on exactly. the show, we got to ask you some funny Hoyt stories. I'm oh sure yes, got, I'm yeah. sure you've got oh, some doozies. Uh, some, there'll be some for sure. All right, well, I'll, I'll give you a, a, a good hand up oh, on the what's new that. in cinemas. <laughs> so uh, you can catch the 20th anniversary re-release of Chopper. Uh, or if you prefer a new film. And again, this is from the, I believe, the 23rd to the 29th, uh, to clarify. You can watch a newer film like No Sudden Move, which is directed by Soderbergh and stars Benicio de Toro, Don Cheadle, Julia Fox, and everyone's favourite newcomer, <laughs> newcomer, quote-unquote, Brendan Fraser. Mm. People starting to fall in love with him again. Of course, of course. Yeah, mm. now he's back with Scorsese and doing stuff. Um, if you're more into the horror genre, though, you can catch Don't Breathe 2, which sees Stephen Yang return as the sinister blind man. And, uh, or a remake of Candyman, which is co-written by Jordan Peele and directed by Nia DaCosta, who's currently working on the Captain Marvel sequel, interestingly enough. Ah, so uh, there you sure. go. <laughs> it's called The Marvels, because it's going to okay. be more Captain Marvel. Yeah, one, it's the uh, one from WandaVision and all that. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So it's going to be Marvel Presents The Marvels. Is that what it's going to be titled? Sure. Or Presents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of Marvel. <laughs> that's going to be it. But uh, Money yeah. Presents The Money. Yeah. There you go. So that's that takes us to the end of August in terms of cinemas. That's, that's exciting. No dramas. Well, we're not catching any of those next week on the show. But Jake, what are we watching? Next week on the show, Zeke, we're watching Annette. First time I fell in love. Woke up next to the girl. And escaped fast and far. But Anne has changed me. What I see in her is obvious. What she sees in me is... Hmm. It's a little more puzzling. One, two, three, four... This is the story of Henry, a stand-up comedian with a fierce sense of humour, and Anne, a sinner of international renown. And in the spotlight, they're the perfect couple, but their lives are about to change when the birth of their first child, Annette, sets course for an exceptional destiny. Mm. Mm, sounds very artsy-fartsy, yeah, I like it. Yeah, it does, it does. <laughs> mm. yeah, so... I haven't watched anything for it, but it's got my boy Adam Driver in it, so that's enough. Yeah, it's also got Howard from The Big Bang Theory. Really? <laughs> I'm ex- yeah, I think he's like a conductor in it. I saw the trailer. He's literally called the. Wild. He is billed as the conductor. Oh, there you go. I nailed it. So <laughs> I got it. Wait, I saw, I got to read these other credits from Fallen Angels because not only do you have forced to eat ice cream, you have the guy who plays forced to eat vegetable. Wow. And forced to have clothes washed. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Imagine being that I was that guy yeah, forced yeah. to eat ice cream. Yeah, <laughs> that was my greatest role. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
It was an absolute pleasure having you on the show, Ricky. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. And likewise, it was very enjoyable time watching the movie and talking about it. Yeah. No dramas. Excellent. Well, Excellent. Thank you for joining us for the Cinema Side Show podcast. I was Zeke. I was Jake. And I'm Ricky. And we'll catch you next week with Annette.